At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, everybody. This is Ben. I'm here with Matt. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Uh, Folks, we are, um, what is this, the third or fourth week? (laughs) Should have figured this out before we hit record. Uh, (laughs) Why start now? We're we're in a, that's true. That's true. It's kind of not our style. Nope. To prepare a whole lot. Although for the NT Wright interview coming up this week, folks, uh, I prepared quite a bit. for that one. Yeah. I did not want to screw that one up. I wrote, nope. I wrote out the questions ahead of time. Uh, anyway. You shared a Google Doc with me to put yeah, questions on? I was on. like, yeah, let's, 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 let's make sure we don't have a we, bad... I, I'd hate to yeah. have NT write on the podcast and have a bad interview and think, hey, could you come back and <laughs> do another one? Yeah, we've never done that before. And uh, you just didn't want to blow it. You know? Didn't want to blow it. Anyway, so that's uh, that's coming this week. Today's podcast is with Mark and Lisa Scandrett, uh, and it's part of our parenting series uh, that we don't know how yeah. many weeks we're into. No, nope. um, but um, <laughs> again, we should have <laughs> been It's three or four. Anyway, uh, ben, so there's there's English words for this moment that you're that you want. Oh, what uh, are they? Several, uh, a few. Oh, okay. Uh, we're a number. We're a number of episodes in. Oh yeah, like, you know, I, don't, be, I don't need to. I don't need to confess no, that I don't know. I could right. just say we're in this series. Yeah. Yes. I I clearly do not know how to save face on the airwaves here. So this is the secret anyway. of all public smart people, mm-hmm. is that they use language that is vague enough to make them smart. Yeah. Until they can check the podcast editorial calendar, <laughs> which I just did, and find <laughs> out that this is the fourth week. Oh, you said three or four. I said three or four. I knew yeah. it was three or four. But anyway, right. it's the fourth week. Uh, we're talking about creating a thriving family culture uh, with Mark and Lisa. Uh, they're great. Mm. Um, they wrote a great book, Belonging and Becoming. Uh, Matt, you're actually taking a group of parents. You guys are discussing this book online on yep. Zoom right now, yeah? Yeah, I threw something out on my Facebook page. Just, hey, friends, uh, not not Father Matt uh, or, or not Gravity Matt, but just like Matt Matt. 
I'm looking. I'm looking. One. I just want to read a book with some friends. Anybody want to do yeah. that with me? Yeah. And so, yeah, we're going yeah, through this book. And yeah, yeah good. I don't know. We got about 10 to 12 families that are meeting on Zoom that's every awesome. other week that's chatting awesome. about it. It's great. That's great. Well, that's cool. Um, if I hadn't already figured out parenting, uh, I would have joined. So, but thankfully <laughs> I had, I'd figured it out. <laughs> no, just joking. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's it. Uh, I did want to mention NT Wright later this week, um, but I think that's about all we need to mention before we get into the mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say, Matt? No, I. other than we've spent some time with Mark Scandrett uh, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, that's true. And um, there are some people you meet personally and you don't read their books anymore. <laughs> Right, you lose respect for it. You're can like, say, oh, can gosh. I say it that way? Yeah. You you meet yeah. people, and then I I I know. I'm not getting into names. You'll have to join the Patreon community. Oh for me yeah, to name we name names, names there. Uh, no, um, I I know Christian celebrities and writers who I know personally, and I stop reading their books. Yeah. Um, and Mark is a person I met personally and started reading his books. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. He's kind. He's generous. Uh, he's the real deal. You know, he's, he's like a real Christian. He's a, he's yeah. We we have <laughs> we have verified his bona fides. All right. Well, get ready and his, for and his wife. Uh, his wife was lovely as well. Uh, we just saw her on Zoom. But um, Mark and Lisa talking about creating a thriving family culture. They have a long history in doing so and um, have a lot of good uh, little a lot of good sting, things to say about it. Yeah. So. You're ready. Mark and Lisa Scandrat, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. It's good to be with you. Thanks. You all are married. Yeah. Yep. And, and why don't you give it a 20, 20, going on 28 years. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, we're, we're talking today about a book you wrote called belonging and becoming. It's a book on creating a thriving family culture. And I, um, it's, I haven't read a book like this before. I've read a lot of books on, uh, how to be a godly family or how to disciple your kids. But this book is actually, um, about so much more than that. But before we jump into that, I'd love it if you could just give us an introduction. Um, wh- tell us about your kids. Tell us about what you spend your time doing. Uh, and you live in the Bay Area of San Francisco. Yeah? Yep. Uh, go ahead, Lisa. Okay. Um, we've lived in San Francisco for 20, is it 22 years? years now? And mm-hmm. um, right in San Francisco and raised our kids here. We, um, we have three kids. Haley is 26, Noah is 25, and Isaiah is 23. Mm. And they are all out of university and beginning to figure out uh, what their lives will look like from here. Mm. Um, the older two rent an apartment from us. The youngest one lives with us. And so we are still in close physical proximity these days. Yeah, and that's and- a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we work with an organization we co-founded called Re- Reimagine um, and uh, a center for integral Christian practice. So we're really passionate about um, 
how to help people apply the teachings of Christ to the messy details of everyday life. Yes. Yeah. How did that, I'd love to just talk a bit about that, uh, Mark and Lisa. How did you, how did that become a passion for you? How did that become something, a burden that you needed to start something for? Yeah. Well, we moved here uh, in 1998 as church planters. And most people that we encountered, if we let them know that we were Christian, or particularly if I let them know that I was a pastor, we got a very negative visceral response. Um, and we went, something's wrong here. If if you if you mention you're a Christian, if it sounds toxic to people, there, we've yeah. got a um, not just a branding problem, but a quality control problem here. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, we it, it kind of our calling kind of came out of that 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 we want to help close the gap between um, how we want to live and how we actually live, and that Jesus really did offer uh, a, a new way of being human, and that I think w- our sense was. The last couple hundred years, or at least in uh, the Western world, that forma- becoming a whole a whole follower of Jesus or formation hasn't been our strong suit. But it's um, we're missing out on the vitality of the life we were created for. Right. So it's interesting. You just didn't uh, preach better sermons to try to convince people to like Christians better, but you decided <laughs> to become more like Jesus. <laughs> well, that's the idea. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then Lisa, what, t- let's talk about your book, Belonging and Becoming. Um, h- tell us about how this, where the genesis of the idea for this came. Did it come out of you guys, you know, just having this amazing plan with your family and being like, we got to show this other people. Did it come out of failure? And like, we got to figure this out because we want our kids to love Jesus when they're 21. Like how did this, what's the genesis for you guys writing this book together? Um, I would say there's a couple of things. Um, one is that when we moved to San Francisco and we were beginning our work here, um, there wasn't a lot of social support for families following Jesus. And um there were churches in the in the city, but we were beginning a work that would include a, a spiritual community. And so um, we we couldn't do both of those things at the same time. So it became really important for us to cultivate spirituality for our kids at home yeah. and um, a way of following Jesus in the context where we were living. And um, we needed to become really intentional about that because um, at the time we moved here, there wasn't anyone who was going to do that for us. Um, Along the way, we began doing experiments with with many of the, the things that Mark was talking about. How do we live deeper into the way of Jesus? And our kids joined us in many, in all of those things because they were a part of our family and, these, the experiments that we were doing with other followers of Jesus often happened in the context of our home. So our kids were just naturally a part of this way of life that we were, um, that we were stepping into. And so along the way, um, other people that we met who were um, wanting to step further into the following the way of Jesus would say, Hey, um, I'd like to figure out how to keep going down this path, but it seems hard to do with kids. What What about mm. kids? Mm. And for a while, we just throw off an answer like, well, we just did everything that we've done just with our kids. 
but um, realized that people really needed to see that fleshed out a little bit more. And so that was the beginning of writing Belonging and Becoming. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time, Lisa. Like, I mean, I don't think any Christian parent would say, my kids are an obstacle to my spiritual life. But we tend to treat them as something, like we have an imaginative crisis about how to fold uh, our life with Jesus, my life with Jesus, and to become our life with Jesus. And I think this is some of the work that that your book does. I, I'd love to just take one little piece of this. I, we're in the middle of what we're calling Corona Tide, you know, the season of quarantine. <laughs> yep. And um, one of the things I'm noticing about my family is, you know, we've got school rhythms, we've got summer rhythms, we've got weekend rhythms. Uh, but this quarantine thing is like, like deep sixing almost all of our competencies. And you've got a chapter in here about how to develop a family rhythm. Maybe, maybe talk through what are some things parents can consider when they, when all of their rhythms are stripped away, how do we begin to build something inside of which our family can thrive and flourish? Hmm. I, um, I want to, I'll go there in a minute and I just want to, um, be, be mindful that, um, this is a really difficult time for people and sometimes building healthy rhythms and good rhythms are really especially difficult. But this is also an opportunity because we often grow in the most challenging spaces and times. So yes. all that said, um, I think that it would, one thing that's helpful in building one those rhythms is to look at the things that are um, most important to us. So what are the things that you as a family really want to be about when it all is said and done? Mm -hmm. um, what do you want? What do you want your family to be a place of? Um, our, we call this a family purpose statement. Um, and ours includes things like we want to be people who show hospitality. Mm -hmm. We want to be people who um, love one another well and, and support each other to figure out who we were made to be in the world, things like that. And once, um, once we know what we wanna be about together, we can begin to choose rhythms that help support those things. Um, most families already have rhythms, things like um, bedtime routines, or uh, some people have it around meal times or about getting out the door in the morning. And rhythms are things that we don't have to um, we don't have to decide to do them every day. We just do them because that's how we do things. And it can be really helpful to begin to create some rhythms that um, touch on those things that really matter to us um, so that we can put those really important things into place in a way where after we've established them and done the work of making them routine, we can just live them out. So, um, Man, I'd imagine a rhythm right now that would be really supportive for families is to sit around the, the table at some point in the day and to um, talk about highs and lows or um, what was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? Uh, how can we pray for you today? Or um, what is something you're grateful for today um, that we can give thanks for? Mark, what would you add to this mix? Well, I just say, um, I think the reason why many families are finding it to be a struggle 
to under quarantine is that we have we often have external um, structures that provide some things for rhythm for us, and so um, we're what we're sensing, you know, when everyone's home now, no, there isn't an external structure that's mandating very much. So you have to take it on yourself. And right. so one of the keys for this is to have come to some common agreements. Like it's not a rhythm if it's just what one person wants to do. And so we think what's really key for family thriving is for families to learn how to get in, um, create context where they come to common agreements together. If there's two parents in the mix, then that's a there's obviously a lot of space for coming to common agreements. And then kids are more likely to go along with the good things that you want to do if they're involved in the decision making process. Yes. And so, um, you know, I think I think it'd be great for families right now to sit down and say, brainstorm together. What do we need? What are the things that we need as part of our day that help us stay sane and to thrive in this time? And then let's support each other to make sure we get we each get the things that we need right now. Yeah, Ben, what um, strikes you about what strikes you about uh, what they just shared there? Like, what are you noticing? Yeah, I think I mean a couple things. One, one, it's important to have uh, some grace. Like, it, it's okay that you know your your external structures fell apart, and so of course things are chaotic, and of course you're you know still in your PJs at, you know, one thirty. you know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Like, it's all right. There's a, there's a ton of grace there. Um, but just, you know, recognizing, um, I think it's interesting that it, it's recognizing the role of these external boundaries, these external expectations, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing the role that those structure pieces have in our, in our thriving that we never, we didn't have to think about it, but it actually is part of our thriving as a family. Um, and I, it just strikes me that this is an opportunity for families to be a bit more intentional about it instead of just uh, this is it happens to be our structure because we signed up for soccer and we, you know, we have this other thing that we're mm-hmm. doing on this other night. And, you know, the structure just ends up sort of becoming the thing that you do. But now that all of that's been removed, it's this opportunity to say, is this is this actually how we want to live as a family? Are there things that we've been missing that we could add in here? Are there, you know, mm-hmm. are there opportunities here for us? Well, and this is probably a really um, great time for families to be having the conversation about screens. Uh, I, the, a lot of the parents I've talked to have said, like, I, we just don't know what else to do. Both of us have to get our work done right. and we can't be creating right. activities yeah. for everybody all day. So the kids are spending a lot of time on yeah. in front of screens. But it'd be a good time to talk about that. How um, yeah. Once we get past the first week or two or three of this um when's the time of day that is screen time and when when should we do we need to come up with other things to do both yeah. by ourselves and together yeah yeah what what i heard that was really helpful for me what you guys just shared was this defining our family purpose or our family vision because i think we all have an assumed or implied family purpose and vision which is like mm-hmm. keep mom and dad sane keep the kids alive uh, get the kids in bed at a certain time. I mean, they're very kind of like just surviving sort of minimalist mm-hmm. sort of purposes. But sure. if there's if there's a purpose that extends outside of ourselves, right, other than just keeping people, keeping their hearts beating uh, and keeping people sane, then then I think yeah. you, you can have a telos towards which your rhythms and your commitments aim and point. I think this is one of my struggles as a dad. I'm, I'm busy you know, running a, a church and trying to lead an organization and keeping my marriage above, you know, being 
B, B minus on my worst days. You know, just want, <laughs> I want to, I want to stay married, you know, uh, worrying about finances. Cause you know, who knows how the economy is going to look that I often, I often forget that, that if I don't help foster and foment a conversation about who we want to be together, we're going to default to sort of just basic survival things. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful yeah. for me. Well, uh, and- Lisa, Lisa and I were to the point where we were feeling tugged in a lot of different directions. And that's when we came up with our family purpose statement is we're like, we've got to get, we've got to share, have a way to share a vision for life together. And I think most families have maybe an implicit family purpose, but until you, you really talk it out, it can't be used as a guide to decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really powerful activity. Ours, our full family purpose agreement was we want to uh, love the creator and creation. We want to nurture healthy family dynamics, um, use our gifts to serve, um, offer hospitality and welcome, especially to people in suffering and struggle, and live gratefully, creatively, and sustainably. So it's a nice kind of to have that in mind. This is what we wake up in the morning to be about. And so whatever we put on our, on our schedule needs to support us living out that vision together. And um, it, it's been really helpful as a touch point when things start feeling like they're getting off the rails or if it's a big time of transition and shift to just go, wait a minute, what do we want to be about and how are we living into that right now? And are there a few steps we'd like to take to live further into this right now? And also for me, um, as you heard earlier, our kids are close in age, which is no problem right now. But it was very, very busy when they were small. And so sometimes it was hard to feel like I was accessing that deeper meaning on a moment-by-moment basis through the day. But um, there are connections there. We wanted to nurture healthy family dynamics and caring well for small children is part of doing that. And so it helped me to tie those really mundane tasks mm. of, of the craziness of family life sometimes to, to a bigger why. Why am I doing this? Why, yes. why does it matter how we get through this day? Um, yes. And so that was really helpful to me in this process. Sometimes, um, Sometimes the purpose statement helps us shape what we do and how we do it. And sometimes it just reminds us that what we're doing is important. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. Lisa, so as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, 
maybe I'm a dad. I am. And uh, I have an eight and 11 year old. I do. And uh, I, I just try, <laughs> I just try to get my kids to tell me what happened during the day at school. Mm. And it's like, I can't, I can't get them to talk. I can't get them to share. And one of the strengths of your book, this is what I mean. Like I haven't read a book like this is that you don't just tell people to like write a family purpose statement. You actually have the activity like laid out and you walk me who can't even get my kid to tell me what he did on the playground uh, to this is how you ask questions. This is what you say to empower your kid to participate in something that they're going to be committed to. And can I just say, hallelujah, praise Jesus. That, <laughs> that is so helpful for me because I often feel like I don't know how to do this thing you're telling me to do, empower mm. my kids to take responsibility in the family. Well, I, one thing that comes to my mind as you're sharing, Matt, is that I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of emphasis has been on parent-child relationships, and um, a few, a lot of times people refer to our book, "Belonging and Becoming," as a parenting book, and we tell people like at the beginning of the workshops, and I we say it in the beginning of the book, this isn't a parenting book. This is a book about a family system, mm. and yeah. it's a it's a it's like a, it's a unit of decision making of people you know living life together, and so they that unit needs to up their up their communication game, you know, to yeah. to um, decide how we want to live together. So, probably one of the practices that's probably helped Lisa and I more than anything is something we call the family meeting. And when when we're doing well, we do this once a week and we t we talk through calendar, schedule, talk about our marriage, talk about our personal growth struggles and issues, talk about parenting concerns, finances, financial decisions. Not all of them every time, but if ideally once a week we have 45 minutes to an hour where we do some we we come to some common decisions about how we want to do life together and then we have a second part to that which is with all the members of the family we say hey mom and i were talking about this mm -hmm. um we wanted to ask you guys uh about this or tell you what we decided and that really ups the game as far as um family thriving when when you can talk make talk at that level yeah yes i would also say though um Matt, you mentioned like not knowing questions or how to get the kids to talk and so on. Yeah. And everybody needs practice with this. So sometimes when people first start having family meetings or going through some of the um, making up their family purpose statement, um, not everybody in the family is quite sure how to do this or if they want to or whatever. And I think we need to um, give ourselves some space and finesse and even even say to each other, hey, we haven't done this before, but I'm really curious what would happen if we tried this. Mm -hmm. Could it's a go for a little while? And um, we might need to practice doing this because we're new at yeah. this. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it could be really helpful to us. And yes. um, Lisa, I want to draw attention to the way you phrase that. Because it's it's part of what makes I think your book so helpful and powerful, but it's it's so subtle that uh, I don't want us to miss it. And that is I, my imagination for what it means to be a good dad uh, on my worst day is that I just have all the right uh, commands to dictate, and that my kids uh, perform them and do them. 
right? Uh, that would be very convenient, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> um, and so then, is that, my, wait, is, that's not what this book is about? Well, <laughs> we're, we're, get, we're getting I'm there. I'm out. We're getting I'm there. out. There's a chapter, How to Be the Best Dictator. Uh, <laughs> no, but what you just said there, it wasn't like, like I'm laying down a new Scandret rule. We're going to mm-hmm. do this. Right, you got to figure out how you're going to participate because I don't want any lip or pouting or complaining or yelling, but rather you opened <laughs> up space for their agency and participation mm-hmm. by saying, "I wonder what it would be like if we did this," mm-hmm. and you're like inviting them to wonder with you, which helps them feel like they have some buy-in. And I think just that shift from I read the Scandrets book, something's going to be changing around here now. <laughs> and and right. I need your help writing a family purpose statement versus like, I wonder what it would look like if we defined why we exist as a family. What do you think would change about us? And just that alone, Lisa, is so helpful to me. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we didn't write the book so that we could have a ton of little Scandrat families running around the earth. <laughs> you know, your family comes with its own gifts and... abilities and struggles and all of those things. And so what we hope is that this process can be um, that we can invite your family into a process that Mm -hmm. helps your family become the best it can be with Mm -hmm. all of the things that you bring to it. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, And sometimes, sometimes people will say, you're talking about thriving family, like, and that brings a, a certain picture to our head, whatever mm. that is about what thriving families do and don't mm. do, and all of these things. And I just want to say out loud, a thriving family is not a family who doesn't struggle or have challenges. That's a good. thriving family is a family who can um, keep growing and engaging with each other amidst the struggles and challenges. And hopefully, like take those struggles and challenges head on together. Yes. Yeah. Your, your book or your book, your chapter on connection uh, deals a lot with how to navigate conflict. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and, and I, uh, I'm struck by the fact that um, I, I have a way of dealing with conflict that I inherited from my family. <laughs> essentially, essentially what it was is the person who yells the loudest and the last wins. And, um, <laughs> I was pro- I was probably in my mid twenties when I realized that doesn't do good work for me out in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. In my family of origin, uh, we could all sort of uh, navigate that in an unhealthy way. But when I tried that with my new wife or her her parents or even the people I worked with at my church, uh, they, Lisa, they did not seem to like it. And so, uh, yeah, I had a I had a script like that too, except that mine was we don't have conflict. Mm ignore conflict and we pretend it didn't happen until we feel less tension, which also didn't work well in my outside of my family of origin. Yeah. So maybe Mark, I wonder if you could help us. I mean, I think all of us are dealing with increased tensions Mm -hmm. and stress and probably conflict. My eight and 11 year old get along great, except the last four weeks and they're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're picking on each other and fighting like they never had before. Give us some lifelines and help. How do we, Parent us a bit so we can parent <laughs> better in conflict. Is what I mean. Yeah. So, so what's helped us a lot is to have some rules for a good fight, and a kind of a process that we work through. 
And I, I inherited some of this um, from the family that I grew up in. My dad would actually train us on conf- how, what we're supposed to do in conflict. And wow. we did a similar thing uh, Dude, with our kids. That's incredible. I've yeah. never so heard when, that before. That's awesome. Yeah. So when Lisa and I were first married, since she was from a conflict avoidant family background, we we didn't know how to do the dance together. And so um, mm. we ended up coming up with what we called our rules for a good fight. And it was things like um, uh, when um, when we're having when we're having an argument, nobody gets to walk out of the slam the door and walk out of the room. Nobody gets to leave. If you need five minutes, you can say, hey, I think I need a few minutes to take a deep breath. But no one gets to disengage. Um, Mm. Things like we use I statements. Um, We avoid um, words like always and never. Mm. Um, We don't attack people's character during, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we keep a a normal tone of voice and avoid profanity. Um, We stick with the current issue and don't bring up a bunch of other things from the past so then we have we had some rules like that and then also um how does this play out what are the steps in the process of working through conflict so um the first is we say we stop and talk so when someone's feeling like we're there's some tension one of us can say hey we need to stop and talk and then that means whatever's happening nothing else is going on right now that we, we have to attend to this and then we, the person shares, this has been my experience. Um, so here would be an example uh, of this. Um, we, had, we had some guests over for dinner, and le- we're both trying to work in the kitchen. And for some reason, a lot of our conflict comes around the kitchen. But <laughs> Amen. Um, Lisa was sort of communicated to me, like, get out of my way. What I'm doing is important here. And she said it in a way that embarrassed me in front of our house guests. So I said to her, can I talk to you for a minute? And we went into the bathroom and I said, the way you just spoke to me really made me feel disrespected. And um, at that point, if, if we're in a good space, Lisa, Lisa would say, you know, I'm sorry. I was just running around. I Sorry I spoke to you that way. I, I was wrong. We forgive me? Great. Hugs. We go back out to our house guests. Everything's good. That's what happens when it's going well, but um, usually the reason why we are having conflict is that one of us, one of us in the family, has been set off emotionally. Like we've blown our top, in the words of Daniel Siegel, uh, neuroscience teacher. Like we don't have access to our prefrontal cortex; it's all fight or flight response. And when Lisa and I get into it, usually. It's it's actually something's happened that's ta- tipped us off to some childhood wound that we had, some way that we just didn't feel seen or cared for in our families, and it's like we're part of us is here and part of us is back there, uh, still in that trauma, and so we've had to learn to when we when that gets triggered to find a way to get calmed down enough to work work through it. So we our process is stop and talk. Then each of us share share what's going on with us, and the other person listen respectfully. This can take some time, um, but uh, but we have to. And sometimes we do it wrong. We start not with I statements, but you're so selfish or whatever. And we have to remind each other. Um, you, 
for us to resolve this, you need to use, please use I statements and stick with your experience. Don't, don't accuse me of things, you know, cause you don't know what, what's going on inside for me. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually we're able to work through it enough that we feel like both of us have been heard. And the, the next step would be to own our part out of this tension. What can I take responsibility for? And, um, and then we sort of say, what, what do you need to hear that would make, that would kind of make you feel safe and secure again? And sometimes it's, I need you to, I need, I need you to admit that you raised your voice at me and that that wasn't cool. Or I need you to admit that you accused me of something that um, was false. Or it could just be, I just need to feel like you're on my side, or I need to feel cared for, or I need to feel like, um, I want to feel like I'm a priority to you or whatever it might be. Um, uh, And then usually some affection goes on in there. And then one other step that is we we will often say after we've worked through that process, are there any amends that we need to make? Or is this something about our total system of how we do things and that we need to find a different way of doing mealtime or a different way of um, uh, protocols for washing dishes or different agreements about the garbage? Another question we might ask is, um, is there anything we could do to keep this from happening again? Right. Um, it depends on the issue, you yeah. know, but um, we we had some conflict about messes being left in the kitchen. And oh, the solution yeah. that we came up with was, um, you know, we have an agreement that it's our responsibility to clean up after ourselves before we leave the kitchen. But if if there's a case where we can't do that, we will communicate with the other person and know that it's our responsibility when we return. Mm. that if the other person wants to gift us with cleaning up, they can, but it's not expected. So that's an example of a, here's the new policy. Here's the new thing that will prevent this in the future. Yeah. So sometimes conflict is telling us the truth that reality as we've structured it doesn't work for us. Mm -hmm. And and so it's not to be avoided and it's not to be one, but it's be, I hear you saying like discern together as advocates for the system you live in rather than the zero sum game of who's going to win this, who's going to lose it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and again, I just want to iterate like this, this is laid out as like an activity or an experiment of like, so you don't just say, Hey, work out conflict better, but it's like, here's how you actually structure this to do this. Uh, what you left out. And I'm just curious where this fits in is if my kids are fighting, where do I, can I shout from 30 feet away? To, to knock it off like is that part of this at all? No. will you guys can i say I, will you guys stop yelling at each other yeah. <laughs> the problem I, isn't what you want them to be but, yeah. um, i i had a couple of um when when our kids were younger i had a couple of sort of filters i would go through first you hear the little squabble and i would think um i'm gonna let this go and see if they can work it out. Um, if it seemed to be a repeated ongoing tone to the day, then I would call a timeout, not meaning isolate them, but like, hey, stop what you're doing uh, and let's talk. And when they were young, I would guide them through that process. Um, 
And I would even say, okay, um, you know, so-and-so seems really upset. Um, So-and-so, what's going on here? And I would say to the other child, I'm going to ask you the same question in a minute. Right now, we're just going to listen to this child. And it will be your turn in a minute. And it, it took a long time. And it was messy, just like it can be between us. Um, but when we could work through those steps, a, it would generally resolve things for the, it would change the tone for the next moments in the day. Um, and we did it this enough. Like I said, we didn't do this for every tiny little squabble because I was hoping that they would begin to develop these tools for themselves, but we did it enough that, um, they now, intuitively know the this process and can um navigate conflict with each other this way as well um i don't think that they could say these are our steps like if they were on this podcast they might not be able to say this is here's the five steps but they could demonstrate it for you they if you watch them go through a conflict they would know this is how you this is what you do when you're upset with your brother that's great. I think it's important to note too, this can happen, conflict happens between parents and kids. And it's important for parents to have the courage to admit when they're wrong, you know, yes. and that, that, um, that's, that some people think that their, their kids will respect them less if they admit it. But uh, honestly, kids respect their parents more when, because we mess up, you know, we get impatient or we're sick or tired or stressed and we make mistakes and it's, uh, you can create a family culture where it's uh, where it's okay to make mistakes, and we have a way of dealing with admitting we're wrong, receiving grace, and uh, working through those things together. Yes, yes. I want to just point out we've touched on like two chapters of ten in this really great book, and so there's so many other things that you guys lay out here. Maybe as we close, uh, I just want to ask you. You referenced, I think, Lisa, you referenced uh, the workshops that you do around this book. Could you tell us about those? What do those entail? Why would I, why would I be interested in one of those? Um, So we have, we've designed a few lengths of workshops, anywhere from two hours to um, two days. Um, I personally, I like to do the Friday night for a couple hours, Saturday for five or six hours. And what we hope to do is set um, usually with those, We've done it both ways. We have uh, workshops where just the parents come and get to kind of think about these things and do some deep work together. We've also had retreats and workshops where kids come along for at least part of the time as well and do some of the exercises in context with their families. Um, But the goal for us in those workshops is to set families up with some tools, um, introduce them to the concepts in the book, give them a chance to have a family meeting, to talk about their family purpose, um, give them some space and time to do some of those things, and at least begin those conversations and um, help people experience this is what this is like, and give them the tools to take steps to keep going on this journey together. Sometimes churches will have us do this and then their small groups will go through the book more slowly afterward. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. It just strikes me that there's so much inertia 
and families, unnamed commitments we have, unnamed inertia that we're, that you almost have to throw an emergency break of a Friday night, Saturday morning to sort of begin to lay new, uh, a new trellis for the life of your family to grow on. So um, how would I find out about these workshops if I wanted to learn more? Uh, you can go to our website, reimagine.org. Um, okay. And there's a bit of information about the workshops on there. Great. And there'll be a link to contact us to get a conversation going about doing that together. Fantastic. Well, thank That's you awesome. both for Thanks, being Dad. here. Thanks for your book. Thanks for uh, yeah. giving us access to the stuff you've learned from uh, just being a family the last almost 30 years. Yeah. Thank you. Great for to help. be with you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Peace. Peace, y'all. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.